Hello and welcome as we preview the best weekend of football all season. Sims. Hello. I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Fedrick's not here, so uh, Nick's here. Nick, say hi. Yeah, what's oh, good? Oh, shocker. Fendrick's not here for, hey, to produce the podcast that he's never here to produce. Episode 97. That's great. Who is You're you? being replaced for Fendrick. <sighs> We've had enough. Do you have a 97? 97. Kenny Clark. That's a good one. Uh, relevant I, this weekend. Terrell McLean. Keep going. each other. Who else can you do? Uh, let's see. Other 97. I'm trying to think of the ones in this game. Cam Hayward's not playing. He's hurt. 97 for the Chiefs. I don't think they have one. Bailey? Oh, Bailey, he is 97. Yes, right. he is. There we go. Uh, Bryant Young is probably the best Ooh. 97. Yes, he is. Um, I would also say Mario Edwards is 97, I think, for the Raiders. He is. He's 97. You already said Kenny. Uh, you got to give a shout-out to Everson Griffin, who, because he plays in Minnesota, many people will not realize, but he is definitely one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Yes, he is. Uh, and Jordan Phillips. Oh, another good one. Uh, Alan Branch. A lot of fatties in the middle. Man. What is the fattest number? What is the number that makes you look the most fat? 88? I think it's like 65 or 68. It's like those Super guys. Super wide yeah. numbers with yeah. a lot of... Bo- yeah, you know what? The, I could see six because it's naturally a gut. The six is a gut number. When you see like a D lineman that's wearing like 68 or 66, you're like, ugh, you're gross. That's why I always go back to the draft when we were watching... Uh, who was the kid on Princeton that wore 11? Oh, uh, Karan Reed. Karan Reed. A D tackle. Yeah, and he yeah. was wearing 11. I was like, yo, you're looking you look cool, felt, dude. Right. I love that. <laughs> right. Uh, let's get to a few questions. We're going to do a update i did a statistical rewind to bring up the biggest things and then i'm doing a deep dive into your brain for the four big games hello brain uh first one is drew whiteside and he asks what is the blueprint for a texans upset oh it's 16 point underdogs yes what what needs to happen for the texans to win this game uh they need to probably force other than do a lot of hail marys yeah well they're gonna force at least i would think two big time turnovers on the defensive side of the ball i mean they're gonna have to force tom brady into a sack fumble and what's scary to that is of all the teams in the playoffs yeah they have the worst turnover margin mm-hmm. 29th in the nfl at minus nine yeah so they're gonna need Clowney getting his mitts on the ball and popping Clowney, it up. merciless they're gonna need a, a buoy to take a chance every now and then. They maybe need that uh, that kick returner that Gruden was talking about, Irvin, to yes, right. break out one. Yep, so it's something along those lines for sure. I mean, that and then, of course, an incredible effort by the defense in general and a pretty dominant run game, really. Those would be the things I look at. You know, is it not it? even is it not even worth saying Brock Osweiler has to play the best game of his career? Yeah, I mean, come on. We know that. I, I just – I they really – it's going to be a tall task. We know you that. You need the Patriots to mess up a lot. You need them to be rusty coming off a of bye. Yes, you do. But we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, Belichick knows how to handle a bye. Definitely. I think that's the coolest thing about this matchup, first of all, is just, first of all, both coaches, coaching staffs, how much they know each other. Where are you going to be in this matchup? You know, who's going to be the one to think the next step ahead? Because yes. Billy O'Brien and company are going to have something because they know this offense in New England to go, we're going to stop this, but is Belichick and McDaniels going to go, you know what, we knew you were going to do this to stop this, and we got something to counter. That's what's crazy. Uh, you, it's chess, not checkers. It is. Uh, you, I actually teased this at the end of our last podcast. You have a story about what Josh McDaniels did in Denver against Belichick that fits this perfectly. Forgot now, about Now, you it. don't think that Bill O'Brien maybe has the ability to do this, right. but what did McDaniels do when he was playing the Patriots as the Broncos coach? Yes, so we were, uh, I think we we were both 5-0. and oh. I, I can't remember exactly, but somewhere in there. It's a 2009 season. Yes, you guys started off 6-0, and oh, six. and nobody knew how the hell you did it with Kyle Orton. Yes, I mean, we had a good defense. We did some good things on offense. Kyle played good enough for us to win some games. But So now we got New England rolling to town, Bill Belichick, Brady. Uh, it's Billy O'Brien is the OC. But, yeah, Josh McDaniels, from his time in New England, realized, huh, I know one thing they do for sure, and one check they'll get to if I get in the uh, wildcat. wildcat. Sorry, excuse me, the wildcat formation. So he knew that if he put Kyle Orton on the outside, right, that the defense would automatically go into a certain defense check to combat that. Because remember, 
the Dolphins with Ronnie Brown. Yes, right. Famous for doing that against the Patriots and taking advantage of them. Exactly right. So they he knew they had an automatic check of basically going to cover three. Let's put one single safety back. Let's put another safety down in the box because it's the Wildcat, and they're going to run the ball right. most likely, yes. right? So Josh, about, I would say, Wednesday or Thursday of that week, he came upon it, and all of a sudden our whole passing game plan became let's split out Kyle. Yep. Let's have Corel Buckhalter sit there at the quarterback oh position. Gosh, yep, your old Corel Buckhalter. And then he's going to motion Orton back into the backfield, and we'll get into the traditional shotgun. Uh, and I asked you, so you're telling me the Patriots just didn't switch back, but it was already too late because you had them go to the cover three. Yes. It was too hard to get back. I get, and, you know, listen. You, it How does, many times do you think you did it? Oh, I would say 15 to 20. Wow. I mean, that many times, yes. And, and they were able to take advantage of it. It was huh? one of those things where I, I, I mean, it's one of the few times in life, even when I watched it back on TV like later that, later that week, like it, Bill had, Bill Belichick literally, when they first showed him, like the oh f- face on his face, like <laughs> during the game, like oh sh- wait, w- what am I going to do here with this little little, wow. little wrinkle and here? I can't imagine he has that face often. No, he definitely doesn't. And we we kind of exposed him from that standpoint. We at least got to run plays into defenses we like. That's what's awesome about familiarity. I mean, uh, you play teams like that. It, I have like three follow ups after yeah. that. One, is there any chance that that still works? No, probably not. Bill is no, definitely not. Bill's Two, is there any chance that assistants, while they're coaching with Bill, are writing things on their notepad of this is a hole, this is the weakness of the Death Star? That if I get the perfect shot, because you only got one shot, because if you lose the game with that wrinkle, you figured out a wrinkle, but you didn't take down the Death Star. Yes. Do you think assistants are sitting there with Bill and maybe sometimes because it's hard. You got to tell them when there's a hole, but you also don't want to expose this like really deep hole in there because yeah, you might want to take advantage of it if you become a head coach. Listen, I was there, and even when I was in w- under Josh in Denver that year and stuff, I know there's one thing I know about New England that I would I would be all over. Stop it. Yeah, there is. There's one. Have thing. you ever seen anyone take advantage of uh, it? No, I don't think I don't know if anybody knows, but there's one little thing where you see my, like Tom Brady point out the mic like Mike 56 yeah, 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 he does yeah. all that stuff like there's something to me uh, Tony you think he's going to tell us you know what I, I, I could tell you really I don't really care it's not a lot, of, a lot of people aren't going to be able to like differentiate from it anyways but according to the mic who he picks as far as in the, the box hold on, there hold on. guys 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 yeah this is the Death Star secret <laughs> to stopping the Patriots on offense Chris Sims so you point out the mic it, it, Which is the middle linebacker because that's how you know where all your run fits and all your protection schemes you're run, go. Exactly right. You're, you're just basically telling the offensive lineman, listen, we got the four-down lineman. You're in charge of them. And the guy I yell at, 56, 52, whoever, you're also in charge of him in case gotcha. he blitzes. So it's our five against their so five. So what do we do? How do we stop this? Well, it's not about stopping it, but they do have like little tendencies as far as who he points to, whether it's a run or a pass. <gasps> and if you're quick enough to realize it right away in the formation they're in, you're, there's definitely some telltale signs there. I've even I so brought it up to Josh almost, before. So you could almost dictate by what formation you point out there who he points out. If your defense is, is good at communication, they yes. can all identify at the same time. Because we're in cover three and right. he pointed on our weak side linebacker, it's a pass. Yeah, exactly right. Something wow. like that. Yes. And I've told Josh that before. I've even when I was working in New England, I said, you know, do you ever worry about when we do this and we point out this guy? It kind of tells and he and goes what does he, say? he goes, I I've thought about it, but you know, more times than not, teams are one too chicken to trust their middle linebackers to make those types of decisions, or it's just it happens so quickly they can't even get it all organized. Right, in their, right. In their That's like either. a last second type of thing. Exactly right. So Mike Vrabel, coach of the linebackers. I mean, if there's anyone that's going to realize it, but I have so much history with this. It's just a fun topic because I got to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers four months after they won the Super Bowl, and the stupid ass. And Oakland Raiders didn't change the checks that John Gruden had imp- implemented in their offense for the four years before that. So then John Gruden got to Super Bowl week and he played quarterback on the scout team because he knew all the checks. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, anytime Rich Gannon, you want to know why Dexter Jackson had two interceptions yeah. and they were killing him that day? Because they literally said, if we show this blitz, uh, Rich Gannon's going to check to 370 smoke. And, and then, then when you do we'll, that, jump this route. We'll back out, and we won't even blitz, and they'll send the protection there. And that, that's it, it how honestly, they won the game. It was as though John Gruden was coaching both teams in that game. It, it, it's the, one of the dumbest mistakes Boom! I've seen in, in, in all of professional football. Bill Callahan and Rich Gannon, for them to not think that John Gruden was going to teach that defense their checks, 
you know. That's insane. It's insane. Uh, and it's funny, too, just bringing one last story just in my own personal. No, this is perfect. The Carolina Panthers. We ha- I had this little instance one year. The year I went to the playoffs, the one year I got to be a playoff quarterback, 2005. We played them my second start, and we kind of got in a shootout with Jake Dahlman and company, and I threw a pick six that went the other way at the start of the second half, and it, it put us too far behind. Um, but I watched, like, NFL films and things like that the next week, and they were mic'd on their sideline in Carolina, and they had little – they knew some of our checks. Oh, he's checking to 358. He's checking to 58. You hear that? You know, da, 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 da. So when we got close to playing them again, I told Gruden, I go, hey, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I'll, I'll dig it up for you. But they know our checks. They know, like, if we're going to go max protect, they're blitzing, we would max protect, and then they would check out and do a coverage defense. So what we did was we put all those checks in the game. And, and they just had them. They meant nothing. They were dummy checks. I would dummy audible. You'd be like, 58, 58. Like, and Black, th- 58, and doing all these and they're signals. they're like, we know what he's doing. And they would check out of the, like, Julius Peppers, Brenson Buckner. They would stand up and go, we're checking out of this defense. And I was like, <laughs> I called a play for that defense you're checking into. Wow. And those are the great things you get where, like, and yeah. And what, what happened in that game? We won that game in Carolina. and Which won, was not an easy won, place to play No, at that it time. was not. And they were a good team. And, uh, yeah, that was a big win for us. And those are great joy mo- moments as a quarter. Like, yeah, we didn't, like, get 90-yard touchdowns, but we got, like, first downs. Or yeah. me and Gruden looked at each other and we're like, yeah. It's also we the kind of fear that you're putting into the other team when you do that stuff. Because then they're like, what else do they know? Exactly right. So do you think with these four teams, these four games, these teams already having played each other? That's amazing that you saw that on NFL films. I, yeah, well, you know, it's like a, inside the NFL. Exactly right. Like exactly right. Players should be watching that more, apparently. Yeah, I, that's one of the reasons I like to watch my dad's Showtime inside the NFL stuff. It's not really that I want to hear my dad talk, but I like to just listen to the mic highlights and hear yeah. what some players, you can grab little snippets here and there of things they're thinking on the field or Man. whatever. So you think that the fact that these teams have played each other before. Is interesting. I mean, the Atlanta-Seattle matchup and the Texans-New England matchup are great just because it's the same coaching staffs except they're on different teams. Yeah. And that's really amazing. It's uh, it's New England South and it's uh, Seattle yeah. Southeast. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, all right, let me get to a few more questions. I'm going to go to my stats. Uh, Brent Plottle goes to something that I was talking about with Ben Roethlisberger. Is Ben showing regression or age this season? Should the Steelers be looking to the quarterback of the future? Mm. I don't think it's time for that yet. They do need to start thinking of the future. I mean, Big Ben's getting up there in age. Yes. He plays a physical brand of football for a quarterback. He's been missing games these last few years. Yes, exactly right. He's, he's, he's been dinged up, really, his whole career. I mean, that's what happens when you stand in the pocket and have nine people all over you. Um, <laughs> but a I, year or two maybe before they really need to start drafting. Exactly. I, okay. think, I think they're still a little way. But he has, like you've said, I mean, he's just he's made some really dumb mistakes. Really dumb and mistakes. And as we were watching the game on Sunday, you and I, the Dolphins game, I mean, we talked about it that we were like, oh, they're probably going to run the ball because they don't even trust Ben right uh, right now. And, I wouldn't. And, of course, at the end of the game, he made another dumb mistake. Carl Cervantes, do you guys expect better officiating this weekend I, the same from Wild Card? I, I hope so. they got to just figure it out and be consistent with something. I mean, you know, the jump off, of course, is the Seattle-Detroit game. I mean, you got, they threw a flag on the guy that got pass interfered. The guy that got his head ripped off and face masked, they threw a flag on him. So yeah. I, it's just discouraging to me, and I hate how they call it one way in the Dude, playoffs and another way. how was that referee during the national championship He game. is curls for days. Holy crap. He, when he was pointing out like this, yeah. I, I mean, his arms are thicker than my torso. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he had, he's not as good as, like, Ed Hockley, though. That guy, the national what championship, he had some, like, fat muscle. It was, like, it was well-placed fat, too. Yeah, <laughs> I could use some well-placed fat. You right do now. have well-placed fat, actually. I, I'll tell you what, you man. have fat titties. There's no muscle in there, but it looks like there Doesn't is. Doesn't it? Yeah. People are like, yeah, you got a nice chest. I'm like, no, man, it's just it just sits well. I, I would love. That's what we should do on Facebook next time. We should. Like, he's going to propose the weirdest thing ever. No, I just want to like. We should make you like max out 135. Like, just see how many times you could do 135. It'd be really funny. <laughs> it, people that lift weights are so weird with lifting weights. I do need to start lifting. It's a good it's a good exercise to improve your quality of life. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I would want to work out with you. I don't know. No, no it's really do I want to <laughs> work out with you? That's the question. <laughs> Sims, wait, wait for me, wait for me. Uh, Mitch Milani, uh, which under the radar Patriots player do you think could have the biggest impact on the playoffs? Oh. I'm going to go Jabal Sheard. That's that's a good one for sure. The guy I I talked about in some of my text articles this week that I think could have a big game in this game coming up is the Malcolm Mitchell guy because I just think they're going to put so much efforts into 
let's stop Edelman. Edelman. Let's stop Hogan. Yeah. And watch out for Martellus Bennett. That I think he could get the favorable matchup every now and then when they go four corners or something like that. Uh, to where the system kind of just gets him open. Oh, yeah. LeGarrette Blunt has 18 touchdowns. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. It's crazy. It is. Peter Edwards, last one. How big of a factor will the loss of Jordy be for Green Bay, given the way Cobb and Adams are playing? Oh, man. It's going to be. Thanks for the questions, guys. Yeah, it is. Those are good questions, too. Man, it's going to be big. I- I'm still hoping they're holding out that he can play, because that's the one thing. Watching back that old that last game, the Cowboys-Packers uh, first time around, yeah. I mean, Jordy was useless. I'm pretty confident that I could have beat him in a four. That was when you were like, Jordy's not the same Jordy, and he started getting his footing back soon after. Yes, exactly. Uh, So, yeah, I I mean, it does But how big of a loss is it? It's a big loss because the one thing watching back at that game, too, now we'll dive into that whole thing, but, um, you know, these Dallas corners, and with Morris Claiborne back this week, that's a pretty legit group between him, Carr, and Orlando Skandrick. So you need as many weapons as you can. Uh, and Jordy's one of those guys, too, that's a great safety net for Rodgers because when he's covered, he still trusts them to throw it to him with his big body and his, right. his good hands. Uh, so if you guys remember back in week 13, uh, I went and compiled the rankings of six different categories of all the playoff-eligible teams that I thought were important for playoff football. Wild card being wild card, didn't think it was that important. Divisional round, I wanted to do an update and yeah. see where these teams ranked. So the six categories, time of possession, red zone offense and defense, how many sacks, what's your percentage of sacks when you're passing on offense and defense, and takeaway, turnover uh, plus minus. When I redid them, there were some things that legitimately left me shocked. So this is week 13, getting ready for the playoffs, and where teams have moved is interesting. There's only one team that improved in every single category. Which team do you think it was? You gotta find my microphone. <laughs> literally behind us. The New England Patriots. New England Patriots. Yeah, they went on fire the last five. Weeks they of the were year. in of the so back in week thirteen, they only had one top ten yeah. of rankings, and it was turnovers. They are now have five top tens. They went from seventeenth in time of possession to sixth. They went twelfth in red zone on offense to eighth. They went twelfth in sacks on offense to sixth. They went. 21st in red zone defense to 8th. And in turnovers, they went from plus 3 to plus 12. They improved their turnover margin by 9. Yes, well we talked about it. We thought their defense had made Tremendous strides to down see, the stretch. But to see them jump up like that yes. was crazy. Yes. Um, now, the other biggest changes. In time of possession, I said Patriots went from 17th to 6th. The other big jumper was the Texans, who went from 14th to 3rd, mm. which I found to be very impressive for them. Um, other than that, I didn't really see a lot of changes in time of possession. Red zone offense, um, the Falcons went from 15th to 9th. That yep. was a big jump from them. Yes. Um Packers went from 18th. Packers and Falcons, I think, really improved in a lot of ways. Um, but the other, the other ones that really caught me just from like the huge jumps, yeah. Green Bay's turnover margin mm. improved by 13. They went from negative 5 to plus 8. Yeah, he's thrown 18 in touchdowns and no interceptions, it's right? Incredible. Like yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. But I want to kind of, other than the jumps, let me just see if you can guess now that we're doing cool. this. Um, so... Uh, I've already kind of done time of possession. The best time of possession team in the NFL was actually the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but Dallas was two. Green Bay was five. Jeez, you guys beat Dallas probably in the last week of the year there when you kind of. Exactly. Yeah, right. uh, Atlanta was 18th. Seattle's 23rd. They're yeah. the worst in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Um, and then the AFC, Houston was third. Patriots sixth. Pittsburgh 16th. Kansas City 19th. Kansas City improved in almost everything, too. Good. Um, red zone offense. Uh, who do you think was the best red zone offense in the AFC of the four teams? New England, Houston, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Best yeah. red zone offense. Yeah, I'm still going to go. Ooh, damn it. No, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is second. They were 12th. New England was eighth. Damn, I just thought it was too obvious. Kansas City was 30th, and Houston was 31st. Well, yeah, I mean, Kansas City, if you really think about it, when they score touchdowns, it's big It's Tyreek Hill. It's Travis Kelsey. You're exactly but right. That's really scares me, the fact that 
their pat their red zone offense is that much worse than the Steelers. I know. You know what's interesting though, just in that is the Steelers let up a lot of big plays in the twenties. Are they going to make the tackles at the twenty, or is Tyreek Hill going to get in the end zone? You know who what I mean? has the best red zone offense in the NFC of the four teams? Oh, the best red zone offense in the NFC: Dallas, Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay. Uh, all right, so I know it's not Seattle. Uh, I'm going to say it's Seattle is the is twenty seventh. They're the worst in the NFC. Right. So I'm going to still go with Dallas. Dallas is third. They went from six to third. Right. Atlanta went from fifteenth to ninth, and Green Bay went from eighteenth to tenth. Okay. So. The the AFC has one team in the top ten, New England. The NFC now has three teams in the top ten. Oof. Dallas, Atlanta, Green Bay. Yes. Let's flip it. Red zone defense. Right. Of the four teams in the AFC, who has the best red zone defense? Damn, is it New England again? No, they are third. Okay. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, they are third. So it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is fourth overall. They're, right. they're the best. Okay. Who has the best Red zone defense in the NFC. The best red zone defense in the NFC. Solid jump here by this team. Okay. Oh, solid jump, huh? Uh, okay, hold on. Let me just think. Falcons. I'm not rushing you. Best red zone defense. Solid jump. I, I mean, it's got to be Seattle, the best it's red zone. Dallas. They went from 20th to 14th. Here's what's crazy. Right. The four teams in the AFC. Right. All four finished in the top 10 for red zone defense. Huh. In the NFC. Dallas finished 14th, Seattle finished 20th, Atlanta finished 28th, and Green Bay finished 32nd. So the AFC is so much better in the red zone defense than the NFC. And what's crazy is Green Bay went from 27th to 32nd. Uh, Atlanta actually improved from 32nd to 28th. Yeah. And Seattle was 6th. And they fell to twentieth in, in red zone. But it just—I was found that very interesting that the AFC was that much better at red zone defense. Yep. So the red zone, Kansas City's playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is twelfth on offense, fourth on defense. Kansas City is thirtieth on offense, fifth on defense. Huh. So they're both good defensively. Yes. But Kansas City could struggle down there in the red zone. It's yes. really interesting. It is very interesting. All right, now sacks per pass attempt offense. So the percentage of times that you drop back to pass that you're sacked. Who was the best in the NFC at preventing their quarterback from being sacked of the four teams? Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They were second. Wow. So they were sixth overall. Right. Pittsburgh was second. Um, but New England went from 12th to 6th. So Pittsburgh's the best pass protection offensive line in the AFC, which shouldn't be shocking. I right. Mean, that's an uh, amazing offensive line. Who was the best at protecting their quarterback in the NFC? The best at protecting their quarterback in the NFC. Ooh, crap. This is between Dallas and Green Bay. And it's Green Bay. It is Green Bay. Yes. What's crazy is Dallas was was sixth. They fell to 14th. Green Bay was 11th. They fell to 13th. Um, Atlanta went from 23rd to 24th. And Seattle went from 20th to 27th. So Seattle has fallen in red zone offense, protecting their quarterback, red zone defense, and they they got a lot worse in turnover margin too. Huh. So they kind of fell off a little bit. Which is what we thought. Makes, I mean, yeah, that's saying. what we were seeing. Right. Um, all right, what about getting after the quarterback? Sacks per pass attempt defense. Who's number one in the AFC? Sacks per... Sacking the quarterback. Yes, okay. Uh, in the... Which conference did you say? AFC. AFC. Okay, sacks per quarterback. I am going to go with... Ooh, it's... Ooh, it's New England Patriots. It is actually Pittsburgh. <sighs> Every team in the AFC got better except for one. That's a four. Patriots went from 24 to 18. Kansas City didn't get better. Kansas City went from 16 yes. to 31. It's a little bit troubling. 31. Yeah, because D. Ford got hurt. So here's how I'm looking at this Kansas City-Pittsburgh game. All week, I literally made a bet with Kansas City. Yeah. And then I looked at this and I went, crap. <laughs> Kansas City has no pass rush. The Pittsburgh Steelers, per, per terms of protecting the quarterback, are the best remaining in the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Steelers score in the red zone and don't, and don't let people score, and Kansas City can't score in the red zone, and they're worse at time possession. 
I look at that, and the only thing that Kansas City has over them is turnover margin. And that Andy Reid's 19-3 and off a of bye week. Yes. And that Justin Houston had a bye week, and D. Ford had a bye week, and they're going to be ready to go. Just, it's very – look, it I is. remember yeah. this was – when I did this before, Pittsburgh was on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But they were – Pittsburgh and New Orleans had the best stats. Right. And Pittsburgh had the division that let them get in. And they won those games at the end. Yes. Um, okay, so the NFC sacking the quarterback. NFC sacking the quarterback. Best of the four teams is who? Gosh, I haven't even looked up sacks in a while, but I'm going to still say it's Seattle. It is. They're the only team um, that – yeah, they're the only team in the top five, so they were two. Green Bay is seven. Dallas is 19th. They jumped up 10 spots, Oof. probably because of David Irving. They went from 29 to 19, yeah. and Atlanta stayed at 26. Wow. Which is crazy. You think about Vic Beasley. He's got 15 sacks. And I know. 26. Yes. Um, turnover margin. Um, it's interesting. New England improved by nine. They went from plus three to plus 12. Um, the only team remaining in the playoffs with a negative turnover margin is Houston. They're at minus seven. Um, Kansas City is the best in the NFL remaining. Plus 16. They're also best in the NFL overall. Tied with the Raiders. Yep. Um, and Atlanta went plus eight. So Atlanta went from plus three to plus 11, and Green Bay went from minus five to plus eight, yes. which is incredible. So Atlanta's taking the ball away now. Right. But I just I thought it was interesting. It but is interesting. Pittsburgh is really set up statistically with these important playoff statistics. To see New England go into the top 10 in five categories yes. just shows you the fourth quarter. That last four games of the season, man, it really does mean something. Cream does rise to the top, huh? Yeah, and I I look at this now and I go, yet another reason why it's easy to pick Houston. And I look at these, and if I had to make my guess, I'm going Atlanta and, man, that Dallas-Green Bay matchup is really, really It's a doozy. But we'll get to that in a second. All right, what is the first game on Saturday? It is Atlanta-Seattle. Yes. Um. For Seattle to pull off the miracle, because I think this is the most unlikely other than Houston, what do they need to do? Russell Wilson's going to have to have a phenomenal game. I think the biggest thing, though, I look at, uh, I mean, just on that offensive side of the ball, they, they're going to have to protect the passer. I mean, the, the left guard, Fant, 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 I always mess Fant, up his name. You think he's a, a huge liability. He is a huge liability, and I just think they're going to send waves of people at him. That's a little concerning to me. I mean, this is, again, now this is the last time it was a close game. Seattle was fortunate to win. They it jumped was, out to a big lead. It was in Seattle. So you watched the game. I did. What did you learn about it? And, and what I learned is that that game didn't mean jack shit. I mean, that's what I. It's just the teams are so different. That's what's so crazy about it. You know, first of all, you know who the two biggest playmakers were for in Seattle in that game? Uh, Tyler Lockett. Nope. I don't know that. It's C.J. Spiller and Christine Michael made a ton of big plays. Not Shut even up. on their team anymore. You're right. C.J. Spiller had the touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. They they had they had a lot he of was the little big little plays. Right. So that, it's just crazy to look at that. There was no Cam Chancellor in that game. Wow. And there was Earl Thomas. That is probably the biggest thing I took away is how awesome Earl Thomas was, especially in the first half. He is the biggest reason they struggled on offense. He was so instinctive and Ed Reed-like to where he was supposed to be in charge of like this half of the field, and he said, nah, screw it. I know this formation. I'm chasing down Tevin Coleman. They're going the other side with this one. He was there. He was hitting guys just as they were catching the ball, popping the ball loose. So this is a week I look at that and go, wow. Of course, that was the game Atlanta used the Seattle beaters uh, yes. that where Richard Sherman got in a fight on the sideline with Cam Chancellor, all those guys, right? That's right, because he was jumping routes, and as Atlanta was coming back, yes. they were really sending three guys at Sherman exactly. and making them play flat, slant, or over the top. Exactly. And we kept going. They're putting Sherman in an unwinnable situation. Exactly right. So that was, that was the big thing from that game. The other thing I would take away from that game in general is uh, I, I'll be interested to see what Kyle, my friend, my friend Kyle, the offensive coordinator for Atlanta, does in this game. And that game, especially early when they struggled, they tried to stay in some run sets and straight two backs, one tight end, two tight ends, one back. I think it kind of played into Seattle's hands. Why do you think he did that? I don't know why. I mean, because he wants to keep his bootlegs and play actions alive, gotcha. I would think, to a degree. And it allows a little bit more protection. But it plays into Seattle's hand. I think this Seattle team, and he's probably going to see this, is just like, let's spread them out. I got weapons. and You don't have Earl Thomas anymore. Exactly right. So let's see who can play 
by center field. But the other thing for Atlanta I just thought was interesting in that game, that was like one of Keanu Neal's first games back because remember he got hurt right. early in the year. Yes, so he did. He was just getting his feet underneath him, and they didn't start Devondre Campbell or Deion Jones. And so you're telling me they're two middle linebackers and their MVP safety right now didn't even play. Didn't really. Keanu Neal played, but it was like his first game playing, really. And Seattle had Earl Thomas. Exactly right. I think it's real scary. I think that's the biggest thing I took away from it. I, I came away watching that game going, huh, I feel better, even better. I was going to pick Atlanta to win this game regardless. I feel better about Atlanta winning the game after watching that. So I, um, this is the game of all the games that I probably, I don't know, I wasn't planning on betting, but I was planning on putting money on Atlanta because I think they have, of the the four teams playing inside and their place with all that excitement, yes. with a week off, um, against this team that I think they match up with really well. Yes. This is the one that I think, other than Patriots-Texans, could be a blowout. I, it would scare me a little. I think you're right. I think if there was a game other than— Because if the Falcons get the lead 17 nothing the way Seattle did, yeah. I don't think Seattle's coming back. I don't think so either. How do they get offense against this defense? Is there anything they can take advantage of from the Seattle perspective? Oh, no. I mean, listen, it's the same scheme on can both Thomas sides. There's no, Desmond, there's no Desmond Trufant in this game, right? Okay. There was the first time around. Now, listen, the run game, it is going to be interesting. Interesting because, uh, of course, they ran the ball well last week, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to translate on the road. You know, on the road's a whole different animal now. Now you got crowd noise. Your offensive line's not going to get off the ball uh, quite as quickly as it did at home, and that's vice versa for the Seattle yes. Seahawks defensive line, which is they were able big... to take advantage of that with Cornelius Lucas yes. and the timing last week. So it's it's a big that's a big issue to me, or at least a b- big favorable thing for um, the Atlanta Falcons. The the center Britt. Uh, you, you've been very impressed. Britt and Golinski, their left guard. For the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. They are going to have to dominate, and they dominated last week. I'm just not sure they can do it again. Uh, and what, what, what does Atlanta have up front? Because I think people, when they think of the Atlanta Falcons, they don't think of defense. Yeah, I know. Well, first of all, Vic Beasley, like in that first match we were talking about, he was just coming into his – the week before was the Broncos game where he had like two or three sacks yes. in that game. He was just becoming Vic Beasley at that time where he was getting like a little confidence and trying out spin moves and doing all those crazy things. Um, I think what Atlanta has up front is they have a lot of different styles and people they can throw at you. Whether it's the Hagemans, the Grady Jarrett's, the Babineaux, they can kind of get big uh, or they can get fast pretty good. They don't have great size, but they can at least get somewhat big if you wanted to get in, in a power-running football game, which I don't think Seattle's going to try to do. What do you think they're going to try and do? I think Seattle is... Yeah, they got Reed Brooks, Babineau, Grady Jackson, Tyson Jackson. They do got Upshaw. Is he playing, too? Yeah, not very much. Rasheed no. Hageman, right. Claiborne. Yes, yeah, so they can do a lot Dwayne of different Freeney. things. So, right, and Freeney's still... You know, he's still pretty incredible. five snaps a game. I'd be scared of him coming off the edge, especially against Fant. Um, Spit him up. I just look at that and go... Wow, and I also think with the Neil, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell all at the line of the scrimmage because they're playing that Seattle defense. Atlanta's playing the same defense Seattle is playing. I just I have a hard time thinking that Russell Wilson's going to be able to run around and make too many plays with his legs with that speed. I still don't think Russell Wilson looked great last week. No, he did not look like great. Like speed, like running-wise. Right. Like I was having bet on Detroit. I was never fearing Russell Wilson running. Yes. But apparently he can throw some incredible lobs to the end zone. Yes, he can. Uh, by the way, for all the people out there, we did go 4-0 last week. I don't need Fendrick's lack of an email to remind me. Uh, we went 4-0, but we did think Detroit was going to be closer. Yes. Um, but, okay. Uh, all right, so then Saturday night. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest for Seattle Atlanta that no, you saw? I think that was I think I hit all the basics. Um, is do I have any reason to fear putting money on Matt Ryan? I don't think you do. And in fact, that's the one thing I'll say that's another good point. I don't even think Matt Ryan was hitting his stride that first time they played around. You know, the first time they played uh I just feel like when I watched that game back, I just said, oh, Matt Ryan, he was, he's throwing the ball so much better right now than he was then. Mm. I still think he was kind of getting comfortable in that offense. He was still pull, not pulling the trigger on some There's throws. no doubt. Exactly yeah, it's right. it's interesting. Matt Ryan and Alex Smith have gained balls he this right. season. That's a good way to put it. I mean, I would say the last few years, a note that we always had is, 
it, we didn't think Matt Ryan and Alex Smith were bad quarterbacks. Right. But they would pass up opportunities, and when you see a quarterback at the highest level not have the confidence, it upsets you because you know what they what this offense could be capable of. Yes. And for Matt Ryan and Alex Smith to finally be taking those shots, it opens up all those plays underneath, yes. and they become the dynamic offenses that we know they're capable of. Yeah, you're right. They don't leave yards in the field anymore. That's the biggest thing. And you know, the other thing from that game, too, I don't know if you remember, Cliff Averill had a sack fumble early in the game that gave the Seahawks their first touchdown at the oh, six-yard right. line. So that's how they got one of their touchdown drives. So, uh, yeah, they, they had moments. That is a staple of the Seahawks. It is. The 20-yard drive set up by a defensive. It, it's definitely not as, as consistent on the road. That's something they do a lot more uh, at home in Seattle. You know what? While you say that, I want to look this up for two seconds, just because uh, Seattle three and four away, Atlanta five and three home, um, and I do think when you look at Seattle on the road, I do think they've allowed like they uh, they allowed twenty three points to San Francisco, they allowed thirty eight points at Green Bay, uh, they only scored five points when they went to Tampa Bay. So th- those only are the- scored six points when they went to Arizona earlier in the year. So, so he- here's the thing with Seattle is their last three away games, you go Niners, they almost blew it. Packers, they got destroyed. Bucks, they got manhandled. That's the last three. Their fourth one was the win over the Patriots, which was probably the best performance a team has had against the Patriots this year. Yes, you're right. Which you kind of look back and go, maybe that's more indicative of the Patriots. I because mean, everything your statistics just told you. It's that a different you, Patriots that, team. Yeah, it was three weeks after that where they became a different Patriots football team. Yeah, so I think Seattle... Man, it, it just reminds me a lot last year where they got the win over Minnesota and then they went to Carolina and went down 28 nothing, And then they ended up coming back and making it respectable. Man, I mean, they just, yeah, they were away 3-4-1. and one. I mean, they didn't beat a damn good team all year on the road. I mean, the, Except New England. Yeah, that was it. Holy cow. And that was a pretty amazing performance, but that was also, as we call, the C.J. Procise game. It was. He's supposedly back. We don't think he's going to be a huge factor. All right, Saturday night, Texans at Patriots. You also you already talked about how it's going to have to be a just a masterful and lucky game for the Texans to make it happen. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even worth watching back. Like, it's just not even, like, I started Again, the it, teams are so different. And it was like New England with Jacoby Brissett. They weren't even running their offense. They were running, like... Tim Tebow spread I did feel runs like they were. And, well, hold on. We look at the Patriots' offense, offensive line right now, and we are so impressed with the interior three and the play of the offensive line. How yeah. were they against a big front seven? They were good. The only thing that's that's misleading about that is Houston wasn't really playing all the guys they play in their front seven now, like those rookie guys that we talked about a little, DJ like DJ Reader, Reader yeah. the, the Heath kid, the rookie from Michigan State. They were. Is there any way that they could win the def- the line? I do think there's a yes. This, I mean, this Texans. It's D. the number one defense in the exactly. Days. I don't, people don't realize how good it is. It's not as good as that Denver defense last year. They were more attacking, but like, this defense is really freaking good. I don't care who was playing quarterback for the Raiders last week. That was going to be a tough game because there yeah. wasn't shit open, and when Jadeveon Clowney takes over like. That that, I mean, watch out. So is there any chance that maybe not Bill O'Brien has a wrinkle in offense, but Romeo's got a wrinkle on defense? Well, I think Romeo will at least know some of the tendencies of what New England wants to do in certain Romeo, situations. If they point out the mic, <laughs> change your defense. That'll be, that'll be the interesting uh, thing to me. I, I just think he'll know what areas to play. That's what you always hear me say when I talk about defending New England. Yeah, You have to know the area of the field to defend. If it's third and four... You can guarantee I'm going to put a lot of people in the middle of the hashes to take away the Edelman option yeah. or the you know Martellus Bennett over the middle crossing route, something like that. That's where Brady's comfortable, and that's where they have a million different types of plays. So that could be taken away. I think they can make life really hard on Brady and company. I think it could be the kind of thing where it's like a 10 nothing game uh, late in the third quarter. And then maybe Houston scores a touchdown finally to make it 10-7, but then New England just slowly pulls away. Is there any benefit in the fact that they've already gone up there and played? Yeah, there, because there Seattle, is. Atlanta, the game was in Seattle. Right and now, they're going into the Thunderdome. Yeah, Texans were already there when they were five and zero, and the Patriots were four and one or whatever it was, and then they played. It's, is uh, there any benefit for Brock to come the hell down? It, it, there, with familiarity, it's just with anything. I mean, I, I would say that. I mean, Bill's going to take away Hopkins. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't even have to. There's nothing to take away. Like, yeah, the Hopkins thing. Like, people got to get over it. Hopkins is never open. I watch them every week. You've heard me say this. I mean, we did a hidden truth video. He's Who's not a, better, him or Alshon Jeffrey? Alshon Jeffrey. Okay. He's faster and bigger. Who's I, better, him or Brandon Marshall? Brandon Marshall, right even now. at this age. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins can't run. That's the number one issue. But he doesn't threaten anybody. Deep. He can't separate. And if you really think about all his catches and things like that, they're back shoulders. So they're going to need a few Will Fuller bombs. Yes, they're going to need something like that. They're going to need a screen from Will Fuller to break. They're going to need to dominate in the run game. That's really going to be their big thing as I, well. I, I have a feeling we laugh about this every week that it seems like Brock Osweiler is only capable of throwing five to ten yard tight end ins and outs. Yes, I'm curious how many linebackers and safeties the Patriots are just going to have sitting in those zones. There's no way they're going to let them do that I mean, crap. if you looked at a strike zone, like a heat map right. of where Brock Osweiler throws, I bet you the middle of the field is smoking red and the outside is green with the occasional dot. Yeah, it is. No doubt. There's nothing. I mean, that's Does why. Does that I, exist in football? Heat maps? Yes. Where people complete the ball. Spray charts is what they would call it. Spray charts. Right. Where is he spraying it? All over. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Talk about spray. Oh, it's a cough. What do you say when somebody coughs? Good cough? I say, uh, when they cough. You okay? I say, what do you got, the black lung over there? Yeah, he. he hey, Pop, you got the black lung? Yeah, he either says that or, what do you got, Ebola? <laughs> or, or he calls you a carrier monkey. Or, yeah, carrier monkey. Or you got Zika. So you, so you, you insult them and in saying that they have a debilitating you're, disease. You're gross. I go, cough I, them like that? I say, God bless you. And then they say, I coughed. And I go, I know. Because <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Right. All right. So that the Patriots Texans is a pretty much a cough in video game form, uh, in football form. So you're going to watch Seahawks Falcons. It's going to be great. And then at night you're going to go. <coughs> All right, Sunday night. The one thing about the Saturday night game is there will be true hatred, and these are two teams that are extremely physical. So that'll be fun. What are you saying to me? He's telling you thirty minutes. Oh, we've been going on for that long. Okay, great. No, I appreciate it. I wish you had a microphone. Um, 16 points. Where would you put your money? I would put it on the New England Patriots. Barely to cover, but like 27-10, 28-10, something like that. Mm. Like where they control the game, uh, but they're I, not the, I, I remember. Out. I remember when I watched that game earlier that I was very disappointed in Lamar Miller. I felt like he went down very easy in that game. Yeah. Is there any chance that he could have success running against this Patriots team? I do. I think they I mean they're going to have to rely on yeah, Lamar Miller. Yeah, but do you Miller. think that he'll have success? Having to rely and having success are different. I think he might be like 100 yards. You think so? I do, but I think if they want to win the game, he's got to be like 160 or 170. <sighs> right. And that's not happening. Steelers Chiefs. Do do do. One oh five on Sunday. Another game you didn't learn from watching them back because of just the early turnovers. It was twenty one nothing like five minutes into the game. Early turnovers. Spencer Ware fumble. Alex Smith screen they interception. Bomb to Antonio right. Brown. And then I think they went for it on a fourth down too, where they missed. Uh, so that was one of those games where we, literally we were wrong on that one. I I was gonna go back and watch Kansas City's offense. Uh, and I watched, started watching Pittsburgh's offense, and I was like, holy cow, it's 21 nothing." Uh, yeah, just, that's the funny thing. When you watch film, it's like each side of the ball, so it's like 7 nothing, and then like it shows the scoreboard. It's like 21 nothing. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was literally like that. Uh, Kansas City will be a different team in general. They are a different team. They blew coverages that night. That's just the big thing. Ron they Parker, were running Eric a lot of Barry, quarters, I remember you saying. They did that. I mean, there was a few times even when they just played single safety, like 3D zone, like the, the single safety jumped like an underneath route for no reason, and they'd throw the post over the top. It was that was the game. Stuff. Yes, that was the game where they had Brown streaking across the field and then they they had two wide receivers open underneath on the same route and he jumped like Darius Hayward Bay and left uh Antonio Brown behind him. yes so I think it'll be a totally different game. I'm really excited for this. that was game. also in Pittsburgh it was in Pittsburgh right and Pittsburgh is another team that when you really look at the splits and editor or senior vice president of content uh Joe Kennedy goes I feel like they're different Pittsburgh was five and three away. Uh, Kansas City was six and two in home. But when you look at Pittsburgh away, what they did in those away games really wasn't that impressive. Let's go through their last few games. Yeah, they beat the Bengals twenty-four to twenty. If I remember right, that was like five field goals they kicked in that They're game. They're fortunate. The game before that was the snowball twenty-seven twenty. Ben threw like three interceptions. Bell ran for over two hundred yards. Le'Veon almost threw, ran for three hundred yards, Oof. and they only won by seven. Right. Then you go to the Colts game. It was twenty-eight to seven. Remember, no Andrew Luck. Yes. Scott Tolzien. Right. Throw that one out the window. And remember, 
the Colts had the ball in the red zone with no Andrew Luck three times. Yes. And, and came away and, with and nothing. Scott Tolzien was like, you know what? I'm an average level athlete. I'm going to try and run it through Lawrence Timmons. <laughs> uh, you go to the game before that, 24 to nine over the Browns. Hard to really look at it. Game before that, they lost to the Ravens. Game yeah. before that, they lost to the Dolphins. Game before that, they got shredded by the Eagles. And you look at that and you go, man, they were not that great on the road. It's very interesting, and people forget how big home and away is, especially for the Steelers. Yeah, it, it is, and I think the, of course. It, you know, Kansas City, that place will be jacked up, ready to go. I think this is going to be a shootout. I don't know how anybody else out it's there feels. It's funny because I was talking to some people that think it's going to be very low scoring. I, 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 just, but. I just don't see it that way because I think both defenses have playmakers. I just don't think either defense is great altogether. Uh, they're both very good in uh, scoring defense, which I think is, of course, an interesting tidbit. But, man... I just don't, you know, out of all the playoff teams, you want to talk about two teams that make a lot of big plays. Uh, it's um, it's these two. So I'm looking it up right now. Chiefs uh, are seventh in scoring defense. Pittsburgh's tenth. Um, there is a 100% chance of precipitation Ooh. Sunday at 1 o'clock. Mm. Freezing rain, 36 degrees. Oof. What does that do? It means Le'Veon Bell and Spencer Ware are going to have a big day. I mean, that's exactly what it thinks. I would think it would maybe even play. Yeah, I don't know who they really that plays into the favor of. I, I would just say, felt like looking it up, but I'm glad I, I did. Think, I that think I would big. play in the favor. That would play in the favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers because I would trust Big Ben to be able to throw in those elements better than Alex Smith too. I thought Alex Smith played well in the cold when the Raiders were there on that Thursday night. He did. He had the nice post, the Tyree kill, yep. a few other nice plays. But Ben is just a stronger, bigger guy. Right. Yeah. If there's a lot of rain. I'm not betting. Is this the week? This is what I want to know. This okay. is the thing. If you're out there watching, Marcus Peters is one of the three best corners oh. in football. He better lock up with Antonio Brown in some Sims's situations. Sims' issue all year has been you have a top five athlete in the NFL at cornerback. Yes. He can shut down anyone. You look at his stats against the top receivers this year. He has shut them down. Yeah. And yet they keep him on one side. Yeah. Put him on Antonio Brown. What are you afraid of Eli Rogers and Darius Hayward Bay? I know. Get out of here. Be yeah. Be creative. That's it'll allow them to be creative with run fits and things they want to do to All stop. Right, so the we run said game. last week, follow Khalil Macajadavi and Clowney. When yeah. you're watching Kansas City Pittsburgh, see who is across the line. If it's twenty two, the mm-hmm. Chiefs are doing it right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's a big gonna be a big key. To, you know, they're just there there are a lot of playmakers on the Chiefs team. I don't think they're the most well coached zone defensive team I've ever seen. I think there's gonna be just too many easy completions. And even though Kansas City's got the big people up front to stop the run, you know, again, I just kinda gotta see it to believe it because it they don't stop it really on the regular. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to march the ball up and down the field on yeah. them, and I expect Kansas City to march the ball up and down the field on them as and well. And that's where it gets to the stats that I was reading earlier, which to me are a little bit scary. It's going to come down to once you march, can you punch it in? And yes. as I said earlier, Kansas City is 30th in the NFL in red zone. Pittsburgh is 12th. Defensively, they're both top five in the red zone. Why? Because they have defenses that are great at confusing you. They yeah. can bring certain guys in the red zone. You're not ready for it. They, all, they, they both can, have super athletic linebackers. Yeah, that's the big thing. They can rush forward, and they got athletes on the field. So you in in the red zone for anybody listening out there. There's two defenses played in the in the red zone. Pretty I do not know this. It's, Cover two. It's you know, some short some sort of shell coverage. Uh, be more of like a cover four, really, like a okay. quarters. But yet you don't have anything to worry about behind you, right? Because the end zone's there. So yeah. uh, it allows you to be all eyes on the quarterback, or you bring an all-out blitz, and you just blitz outnumber the amount of blockers, and you have no safety in the middle of the field. Those are really the two defenses you see in the red zone. Mm. Both of these teams barely ever all-out blitz. They go, no, we got Eric Berry, we got Ryan Chazier. We're just going to sit back here and read your quarterback's eyes, and we're going to make life a living hell for you. Uh, I'm looking. I do not see D Ford on the uh, injury report right now. I think he's good to go. Justin Houston and Tamba Ali were both limited practice today. Right. Um, from the Pittsburgh perspective, Darius Green has not practiced. Damn. Ricardo Matthews did not practice. Ben didn't practice. Um, and a limited practice for Tuit, but he did play last week. Um, 
All right, so it's how, how do you see this game? You think it's high scoring? I do. Do I th- you think it's Tyree Kill, Kelsey? Who do you think's doing it for Kansas City? Yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll all be there because it's like Pittsburgh doesn't play really very rarely. Do they play man to man? They sprinkle it in a few times a game. I just have a hard time thinking with that run game, Andy Reid's creativity with doing things behind the line of scrimmage, yeah. and finding ways to go. Oh, okay, we faked the speed, we sweep Tyree Kill, Shazier's flying over there to stop Tyree Kill, and then all of a sudden it's Travis Kelsey behind him. I mean, they could do. A little three-man offense. You bring Tyreek Hill on the fake sweep or the real sweep. You have Spencer Ware going right up the gut, and then Kelsey hitting the seam. You're not going to be able to cover all three. That's and that's it, the. And then you got Macklin on the other side. That's it's a very dynamic Andy. West Coast offense. It is. Andy is. Uh, he's got a lot of little wrinkles. He's to what it. Chip Kelly wants to be. Yeah, pretty much. Right. You know what I'm doing. Right. But you can't stop at no, all. No. And I'm going to have like four curveballs for every game. Andy is the king of the second possession first quarter play action bomb <laughs> he is the king of that yeah how the hell is he 19 and 3 after a bye 3 and 0 in the playoffs yeah 3 and 0 after the bye in the playoffs i mean you guys are the king of the nsc championship game there for a Bro. while i know uh he's a masterful game planner and they stay with the basics more times than not i mean they don't lose fundamentals like just as far as route running blocking of the line of scrimmage things like that i think it's very interesting i'm picking casey to win the game that's who i bet on i'm yeah. gonna say 31 28 something in that range man a one and a half point line so that would be a good one it's man it really could be a good game i think uh if you haven't read it ty dunn of bleach report read a, read, uh, wrote a fantastic article about how Le'Veon bell runs and how he considers himself the steph curry of running backs not he didn't say steph curry's the best he said but he changed it up yes and the patience in the hole right. and there are very few athletes that could stop and accelerate at that speed, it's yeah. it is a joy to watch that man. Run. It is a joy. The only thing that frustrates me with that conversation is nobody gives Pittsburgh's old line any credit. I just want to be like, yeah, they're all yeah. Oh, they are definitely one of the five best old lines in football, and no one talks about it. They might be second in football behind Dallas. Yeah, you've I mean, been saying that all year. They're amazing, but nobody like it's. I know Le'Veon's awesome. I don't, I'm not trying to hate on Le'Veon. I just let's give a little credit to where it's due too. Yeah, it's funny. I think he is the definition of he runs, and people go, "What the heck is that?" It's amazing. He's amazing. Listen, we talked about it when I came back from training camp. Yeah, you that saw day. it in person. When I just was he like, is ready to go. Holy crap! Um, I would have tore my ACL every time I made a cut like he does. <sighs> And then the uh, Sunday night game, I don't have to look up weather because if it's bad, they're closing the roof. They can't close the roof, dummy. There's a hole in it. God wants to watch. No, can't they close it up? No, they can't. So you're telling me if it rains, they can't close it up? No, but they have that huge scoreboard there. It's like still doesn't even get totally wet, so it's pretty (laughs) good. Green Bay at Dallas. Yes. Um, did you learn anything from this film? I'm yeah, I did. Really? Yeah, this is because the other two games you didn't learn. Shit. No, this this is one I I learned from. You're right. I only learned something from Fe- Falcon Seattle, the two NFC games, which oddly enough were played on the same week at the same time, and we, I mean, it was week six. They were both 4:25 games. Wow, they were both great. They were both great. Um, this the the first thing right well, off. Well, Dallas kind of ran away with it. They did. It was cool, but this is the biggest thing from that game is. Uh, if you if I if I went in that game and I said, "Oh, they're actually are they trying to make Aaron Rodgers not play well?" They're doing a good job. They're doing a good job calling a horrible offense here and making sure Aaron Rodgers can't be successful. Is this Chris Sims just getting upset again, or no? Is, like, what it's did you just see? it's just so funny to see what they are on offense now and what they were then. They were still trying to you know have Richard Rodgers at tight end, and we're gonna have James Eddie Lacy and and a fullback, and we're gonna just. When we pass, we're going to send two people out in a route, and Aaron will just figure it out. Aaron, just throw an amazing ball. Uh, it and was, what is it now? Now it is spread it out and let Aaron run the show more, and there's just more variety of routes. How many times I saw two people go on the, out on routes against Dallas was alarming. I mean, how many times I saw them go, run on first, run on second. Hey, Aaron, it's third and ten. Can you make an amazing play against one of the better defenses in football now? Yeah. I mean, that's what the whole game was. Now, was he perfect? No. Um, he missed a few throws that we've seen him not miss. He threw the interception on the crossing route. Yes. And then they called a quarterback draw when they were in the four-yard line once, and Dallas kind of did a stun up front, and he had a cut, and then that's when David Irvin hit him, and, they fu- and he fumbled. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So those were some plays that we haven't seen from Aaron Rodgers in a long time. That's why it's a different team just in general altogether. Okay. Um, they are a totally different offense now. And like we talked about earlier, Jordy Nelson's a different player. Devontae Adams is a little different player. Ty Montgomery. And you have and the tight end, Jared Cook, in the equation yes. now as well. So all those things are there, which is very interesting. Um, 
you know, defensively, they they did get into some of those. We did the hidden truth today about how they got to get big, right? They need to put Kenny Clark, Latroy Guion, Mike Daniels all on the defensive line in the game, and then have Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers on the edge, and then you have your Martinez and Ryan at middle this linebacker. This is a thing that you always wonder: is when you're facing these big running teams, why not put all of your fat people in the field? Put the big people on the field, and they the three guys you saw it was Guion, Daniels, Daniels, and Kenny Clark. So this is the thing we want you to watch in this game. Yes. See if those three guys are on the field. They're all over 300. Right. You need them to bang with the boys. You got to. And what were they doing back then? Well, they were doing a little of everything still, and they did get into that unit a few times. Yeah, I remember leading up to this game, you kept saying how creative Capers was, right. and I think you said that. I remember you said this. When you get into a game like this, sometimes you bring the creativity back. But I don't think they did from what it sounds like. No, they didn't. And this year, this time, they need to put the big people in the field. Got to put the big people in the field. I think it can help their secondary. I mean, most people don't realize that, you know, Green Bay's pass defense is 31st in football. And if you put a lot of big people in the field, you can keep your safeties deep a little bit every now and then to help out because Capers is stupid sometimes and puts his corners in positions like early last week in the Giants game where you go, Gunther, Gunther, one on one with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, like, a blind quarterback would be like, I'm throwing it out there. I don't even that know who's really covering them. stupid. Stupid. There was a number of those. Uh, but the big thing with this game, they did do that a few times. They got in like a bare front. So people out there, just real quick, a bare front. They put their three their three big guys, Clark, Guion, and Daniels, over the center and two guards. So it was just like three on three. Like a three on three matchup. And right. what does that help you in a defense? Well, it just helps you get big to make a mosh pit of the middle of the field. So like you're not going to run it up the, the middle. middle. Right. Yes. you got to go to the outside which is scary because he could do that. And that's what happened. That's when he hit the side and then ran up for 50, 60 yards. That Dallas basically just said, why are we beating our head against the wall here? Let's do a little toss, and we'll block those three big guys yeah. down and eliminate them, and we'll get Tyrone Smith on the edge yeah. or Zach Martin on the edge. I'll tell you what, watching Tyrone Smith towards the end of the year and his ability to kick out yeah. is freaking crazy. It's amazing. And then also, I mean – Zeke is so good at slicing through the middle of the O-line, and he's so good at getting to the outside. He is. So what did you learn from seeing that? Well, two things. When they did that front in that game, they just let Clay Matthews be the Mike linebacker, and he was horrible. He was horrible <laughs> in the game. He went in the wrong hole almost every time. He made zero plays. and they had That's Nick- never comfortable. So they need, the they need to play. Don't play the bare front. Don't play a front where they can just block you down with one guy and block three people and then go, oh, here's Ezekiel on the edge. Can you yeah. stop it? No. Set the edge a little bit better. That was one issue they had. Like Julius Peppers jumped inside a few times because he thought Zeke was going there, and he stopped and bounced outside, mm. made some big runs. But this is another thing people don't realize. This game was still competitive, and you'll remember this when I tell you. There was like a minute 27 left in the first half. They're on their own four-yard line. And Dallas went down and scored a touchdown in like 37 seconds. Mm. You remember the lucky Whitehead speed reverse? He got a big game. Yes, which and is like every Cowboys, they do that like once a they game. They do it once a game. Exactly right. And they haven't been able to really do it here towards the end because yeah, everybody's caught are, on. Yeah, exactly. Right. But they did it for motion, that. Get on the other side. <laughs> exactly. They did that. And then the Capers was stupid. And put one-on-one coverage a few times. Ladarius Gunther had his worst game of his NFL career in this game. And they threw two fades down the right sideline, the second one being for a touchdown. And it really changed the dynamic of the game because it made it 17-6 before the half. And that's where the game really changed and got out of hand. There was not a lot of positivity to take away from the Green Bay defense in that game. No, there wasn't. The one thing I would say this is they did a little better than the run than people, the statistics will say, because Zeke ran for like 160 in the game. But... I would say about 70 of it came in the fourth quarter when Green Bay was down like 27 to 13, or whatever, and they were trying to make a play. So they brought some blitzes in some running situations, yes. and they didn't get there, and they got gashed, and he made big runs. Uh, David Irving, that was like his first big game. It was. What do you think about A-Rod versus this Dallas defense this time? It's going to be – Because uh, A-Rod's playing another level, and like you said, it's his offense now. Playing, and, and they've stopped trying to pretend to be a balanced offense. You know, Mike McCarthy was being an offensive line coach. Oh, we're going to run the ball, be balanced. Like, no, that's just not what you're made to do this year. Sorry. Yep, not today. So that's why I give him credit for just saying the hell with it. Give it the ball to Aaron. Let him spread it out. Make all the right reads, throws, plays. I would worry about their ability to to rush Rodgers. They played into Dallas's hands that first time by trying to play down downhill football, smash mouth. Dallas is big. 
They got big up front. They got no speed. So let's spread mm. them out and let Aaron Rodgers pa- this pass protection and let him buy time. Whether they want to play man or zone, somebody will come open eventually. That's where I think the game will be different this time around. It's just incredible when you look at Green Bay's last few games. They went at Detroit. The Chicago game, they were out big. They could have been out really big, but they had to drop Devontae Adams' touchdowns. And the Eagles game, they shellacked them. This coming off the heels of losing at Washington, at Tennessee, the the winning streak has been very good for them. If you look at Dallas's last few home games, uh, they beat the crap out of Detroit. They were really beaten to Tampa, and Tampa had some lucky touchdowns. Yep. Washington was the shootout before that. Dallas has been a model of consistency Pretty all much. year. Yes, they, they really, have. really have. Other than the Giants, that's really been the only downfall. Yep. And, of course, yep. the Eagles. Well, The other cool thing, Lefko, you might like this. They did some spies on Rodgers in that game where they would just rush three and they kept one guy to spy on him when he started to dance around or attack the line of scrimmage. He ran after him and got him. And other times when they rushed three and dropped eight, he was a little too much. I thought he was too quick to throw the ball sometimes. It's a three-man rush. Chill out. Your offensive line's awesome. Wait till something develop. Let it happen. And That's yeah. what he does now. He's realized, like, oh, you're not going to rush me? Then I mean, the I'm Giants not going to rush game, my decision. Uh, if you became a quarterback coach, Aaron Rodgers against the Giants is how I would explain moving in the pocket to aspiring quarterbacks. I was explaining this to the Gridiron Heights creators. They said, what makes Aaron Rodgers so good? And how does he have so much time? And I said, he just stands there and he knows that if he moves a step to the left, he buys two seconds. Step to the right, it's three seconds. It's never, he never looks down. Mm -hmm. He never takes the ball down from the launch point. He's always in the right spot. His peripheral vision is insane. And he never looks at the guy he's going to throw to. His ability to flip his head and then fire off that pass, it's incredible. Yeah, Brady had those feet. Who else has great pocket presence? I mean, this guy's got the best feet I've ever seen. But, man, there's been a lot of good ones. I mean, yeah, Brady is good, very good in the pocket. He's not quite as athletic like that, you he, know. But he's, yeah, he, he's very smooth very and slides. Smooth, very smooth. And does it under control and keeps the ball at a good launch point, like you said. I mean, it's it's a special thing. It, it, that, it, that's the interesting thing about the Brady-Rogers debate because one's about the player. The other one's about the plays. Mm. You know, no, it, it's why we Brady's love, about timing. Aaron Rodgers is, oh, I don't, I don't have any plays, so I'm going to create time. That's why we've loved watching Rodgers and Favre, because it's they biz- – Nick says, Nick says Vic. R- Rodgers and Favre, though, that's why we loved them. <laughs> Michael Vick's feet were awesome, no doubt about it. I don't think they were as good as Aaron Rodgers in the pocket, though. Um, just flow, yeah. Yeah, just the way he can make people miss and stay under control that way. Uh, but, yeah, that's the different – you know, that's why we liked Favre and Rodgers is what I was just saying, because – they're all about like, hey, we don't have many pass plays, uh, so we're just going to do things you're comfortable with, and hopefully your natural God-given ability can just you can be comfortable yes. in your mind, and now you can let your ability take over. I feel bad because I have a three-game lead on you, and I don't think you're going to gain. I'm going to pick That's my right. four teams right now. I am going Falcons, Patriots, Chiefs, Packers. Ditto. Shoot. I'm yeah, sorry. That's what I did. It's all right. I mean, I picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl last week, so I can't not pick them now. I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to have time against that Cowboys defense. Yeah, I do too. And I worry, like I've always do I said, the young. Do I want to pick the Chiefs or do I want to pick? Yeah, I'm not picking against Andy Reid after the bye. Okay. Um, all right, so I let me do the what, the things that you should watch because I've enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. When Seattle's on offense against Atlanta, what should people watch? When Se- the left tackle, George Fant. That's going to be a huge, huge So when you're watching game. Seattle on offense, watch the left tackle and watch him get abused yes. and see how that impacts the plays. I would think every third down they're going to make sure Vic Beasley's over there on him. When Atlanta is on offense, what should you watch? When Atlanta's on offense, what do you watch? That's a good question there. I think the big thing for 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 Seattle is going to be Earl Thomas. Who can the center center of the field? Who the safety? Can they make any plays when the ball's thrown deep down the middle of the field? I so think that's one big balls, thing. How many people will be around the ball? Deep plays and guys like Frank Clark and Marsh, Curtis Marsh and Frank Cassius Marsh and Frank Clark. Exactly right. Their defense. They need to have fresh bodies coming out of this Atlanta offense all game long. You were very impressed with Frank Frank Clark. I was, but that Atlanta offense, the stuff they do, the pace at which they play out, all the different formations and things they do, you got to have fresh bodies to continue to attack and stay after them. Texans are on offense. What am I watching? Ooh, Texans are on, I don't know. I I really just think it's plain and simple, just the battle up front. You're just going to watch to see if that O-line can get any, make any hole
holes in the run game. When Lamar Miller runs, is he getting con- how how soon is he being contacted? Exactly, that's the big thing. Patriots are on offense. Am I watching Clowney? Yeah, I mean Clowney's certainly going to be worth watching. The Clowney merciless. I think you really what you watch is just watch the Texans front and see what they're doing because they might have five guys up there looking like they're going to blitz and three only come and two drop out. Do they just, try and confuse Brady? That's what I think. That's going to be their whole attack. Is let's just give him looks that he's not used to seeing and see if we can just throw his rhythm off. Steelers offense? Steelers offense. Steelers on offense. One of Marcus Peters, yeah, exactly. whether or not he's guarding Antonio Brown. I think that's a big key. And my thing that I would want to watch for Kansas City is mm-hmm. when they bust out a big play, Yeah, do they score or do they get stopped? Yeah, that's a great, great point. Right. Because if you see Tyree Kill get the 60-yard run with no touchdown, they're not guaranteed to score the Definitely red zone. Definitely not. Not with Alex Smith. We see Travis him some Kelsey, dumb picks in the forty-yard. Oh my God! Dumb picks. Alex in Smith. Game. Dumb red zone interceptions yeah. could cost this game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you want to watch the Chiefs game is do they score on their explosive plays? Because yeah. they're going to get them. Yeah. But will they get caught? And specifically, I would say watch Shazier because Shazier on that his ability to have to cover Kelsey, have to run down Tyree Tyree Kill sideline to sideline. Yes. I think will be one of the big. So keys if the, of the Chiefs game. score on all three, they're probably going to win. If they score on one of the three, they probably might lose. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to win. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys on offense. We are watching to see if the big guys are up front for the Packers. Yep. Look to see if they play three big fatties. Yep. Uh, Gion Daniels and. Clark. Clark, Kenny Clark, their first rounder out of UCLA. Has he been a worthy of first round pick? He is. He has. He's he's, he's no worth Chris it. Jones. No, he's not. He's not. That would be the other thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers that old line versus Chris Jones, the D tackle, and Don Terry Poe. That'd be a fun little matchup. And too. And the Packers on offense. Are we looking at? If they get pressure on Rodgers? I mean, that'll be certainly some sort of it. I, I just think the the big thing there is just can they separate in the secondary? I don't know if there's one thing I can just sit here and say, but uh, just watching that game in general, uh, you know, and Jordy wasn't totally himself. And like we said, Devontae Adams wasn't the guy then uh, as he is now. Can they just separate in the pass game? Because I do think that secondary for Dallas is a lot better than people realize. For sure. All right, Sims. I feel like I learned a lot. Good. We had fun. I did. A lot of talks. Hey, man. Good talks. I'm excited to watch the games with you on Saturday. Yeah, you're coming to the house. I am. Coming to the house. Coming to the house. Who's that kid with the Oreo cookies? Chris Sims. It's me. Hey, hey. And whole milk. Uh, All right, episode 97 is the book. Episode 98 will be after these games preview the championship game. Oh, my gosh. Number 98. Hey, thanks, pizza delivery guy, for helping out with the producing. Nick, you were great. Thanks for the updates on how long we're talking. I found it very effective. Um, Guys, uh, please remember, uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko, or you can hit me up on my Facebook page, which is Adam Lefko BR. You can talk to me directly. I'm going to try and stream this one next time so that in case anything gets cut out or you want to hear our curse words or you want to ask questions during it, I think it can be more interactive. But you guys are awesome. Thanks, as always, for Sims. Peace out, homies. Nick. Deuces. I'm Lefko. We'll holler at you next time.